<clears throat> if you have your Bible, you can open to Isaiah 62, verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, I have no voice every week, so get used to it. <laughs> Everybody okay? Tired? Are you, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you burnt out on religion? Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's scripture. Are you tired? Are you pooped out? Come to him. Rest in him. There's rest in him. So if you're tired and you need rest, the best place to rest is in him. Yeah? <clears throat> Not during the class. No, I'm just, no, I'm just playing. If you get lost right now and you're with God, go for it. Get lost. Like in God. No, don't like get lost, but man, tough, tough crowd so far. Tonight I'm going to do lesson number 11 um, on how to be a happy intercessor. I don't have a clue how many there are of these. So lesson 11 of dot, dot, dot. I'm king of dot, dot, dot anyway. So <clears throat> tonight we're going to talk about um, heavenly assignments. And this is something the Lord has been talking to me a lot about today. Um, specifically about what a watchman is. And um, so tonight I want to get into that. And I want to really discuss it. Because I found something interesting. I thought, um, I've heard talking about, there's a song that CF and I did that, that says, make us watchmen on the walls. And if you'll read through the scriptures, you find that a lot in scripture where he says, I've placed watchmen on the walls. Um, it talks about Jericho and, it, and, and Song of Solomon when she talks about her lover disappeared and she went out and she asked the watchman who watches the city gates at night. She asked him, where did my lover go? Where did he go? So all through scripture, there are these watchmen, watchmen. And I just thought it was all the same thing, the same definition. Um, and I found out today that they're two completely different words, but they both are watchmen, but it's two different words, two different definitions. So to start off, this, this is not in the notes. This is totally fresh from today. Um, watchmen, the first one, it's the Hebrew word is safa, which, who cares? Safa is the word. So it's, it's like safa, and it means to look out, to be a spy, or to be an observer. It's someone who looks out, someone who spies, or someone who's an observer. Then there's another, another version of that that's shamar, and that is a little bit different. And a shamar is beyond looking out and spying and observing. Shamar, watchman, is someone who is to keep, someone who guards, someone who protects, someone who serves, who preserves, right? Um, examples of that word, watchman, through the scripture are really cool. In the garden, Adam was told to be a watchman over the garden. In... Um, uh, Genesis, uh, in the beginning, for one through three, I can't remember where it was, he, God says, you are to watch over the ground of the garden and to make it become productive. That's the word shamar, watchman. You are to be a watchman over the ground to make it productive. Really cool word. When you think about prayer and intercession as we're called to be watchmen, we're not only called to be on lookout, to be spies, to be observers of what's going on in the world. That is part of our role. But the more complete definition is we're to, to watch over the soil and the garden of the earth to make sure it's productive. Sorry, I think this is really good. <clears throat> when they sinned and, and God sent an angel to guard the tree of life so that they wouldn't eat of the tree of life in a fallen state and curse themselves forever, God in his mercy sent an angel and told them to be the watchman over the tree of life. All right? Cain 
when, when he, Abel had disappeared. And God says, hey, where's your brother? Cain says, am I my brother's shamar? Am I my brother's watchman? Am I my brother's keeper? Is he my responsibility? Listen to the different roles that a watchman has. One, to make sure something's productive. To guard something so that people don't partake of something that will hurt them. Oh, this is so, so good. I hope you get, guys get this. Um, Cain, I'm not my brother's keeper. A watchman is to keep and preserve your brother, to preserve your neighbor. These are all what watchmen are. Then it, when God, told, God was talking to Abraham about his covenant, he says that, he says, Shamar the covenant I have made with you, Abraham. Watch over the covenant that we have with one another. And Abraham, shamard, watched over. He was a watchman of the covenant that God made with him, that I will make you a father of nations, and I will make your descendants like the sands of the seashore or the stars of the sky. He was a watchman over the covenant. You guys, we are to be watchmen, preservers, um, protectors over the covenant that God makes with us. Right? Then there's a couple more. <clears throat> when Jacob gave... Um, <coughs> excuse me, Joseph, his beautiful coat of many colors, because it was his favorite kid. When, uh, and, and, and I just want to remind you of the story. He gives him this coat of many colors. Then later on, um, Joseph begins to have these dreams that all of his brothers and his mom and his dad are bowing down and worshiping him in the dream. And his dad got on to him and says, hey, I don't think you should be telling everybody this. They don't already like you because of our relationship. And, but the brothers were mad at him because of the dream. But then the word says, but, but Jacob, or Israel was his name now. Israel kept the dream in his heart. He was a watchman. He preserved Joseph's dream in his heart. Go back and read it. It's beautiful language here. This is what a watchman is. It's like the dream that was in his son's heart, he preserved it by being a watchman for it. We'll get into all this stuff as we go. <laughs> God speaking to us concerning his commands. He says, be shamars over my commands. Be watchmen over the commandments that I give you. Preserve them. Allow them to make room inside of you. So when, when in Isaiah 62 is one of the scriptures I wanted to read. Isaiah 62 verse 6. It says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. That's shamar. I have appointed, appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. In other words, he's saying, I have appointed you as my watchmen, my preservers, my observers, my spies, my, my people who make things productive, my people who guard their neighbors and their brothers and sisters, my people who watch over the covenants that I make. You people do not be silent in your role until my promises come to fulfillment. And that's what God's calling us to is people of prayer and people of intercession. He's calling us to not be silent. There's a difference between a watchman who just simply watches and a watchman who uses his voice to create worlds with his, with his words. You guys with me? You guys okay? And we'll make all, you know, this sounds like, oh, this has got to be for like some elite people and elite Christians. No, every one of us are called to be watchmen. We're called to be preservers, observers, people that take care of the promises and covenants of God. So tonight, I'm talking about heavenly assignments, but I wanted to give you the outline of what a watchman is first as we get into it. So what are heavenly assignments? And again, I have notes. If you want to take notes, you can. But I have uh, some papers up here I want to hand out at the very end. <clears throat> but a, a, a heavenly assignment are areas um, or assignments are areas of responsibility that God has given to us for his kingdom. 
Now he says, you're responsible for this, and you're an overseer for that, and you're a watchman for this, and you're a preserver for that. And he gives us these responsibilities. These areas then are to become our focal points of, of our intercession and our prayer. And, and this will hopefully make a whole lot of sense as we, as we finish it out. There are certain things that we're inclined to as believers. Certain things just really rile us up and get our blood boiling when it comes to justice or when it comes to someone, someone's being mistreated or someone's left out. Or There are these things that are hot-button topics that bother us a lot. They, they just stir us to compassion. Those are areas that I believe God has given you an assignment in to be a watchman, to be an intercessor over that particular realm or that particular situation. These are areas that he's called us to. He's given us anointing for and he's equipped us to accomplish God's will on earth as it is in heaven in these areas. They are areas that we have found favor and grace for, for victorious kingdom warfare. All right? You guys okay? Now, before we go on and we start talking about um, more about heavenly assignments and how do we identify them, all that kind of stuff, I want to I just give a, um, I want to highlight and I want to point attention to what the enemy would try to do is come in and sow seeds of guilt and shame. The biggest enemy to a believer is guilt and shame. It's not sin. It's guilt and shame. Because guilt and shame often moves us away from God and it keeps us from coming close to him. That's the problem. That's, that's the issue here. And so what the enemy wants to do is he knows we have an assignment in a particular area. So what he wants to do is make us feel guilty or full of shame so that we won't do what we've been called and anointed and equipped to do. You guys hear me? When I am not very confident in what I'm doing, I don't do a very good job of it. You can think of, you can take a sports analogy. If you step into the batter's box and you already feel like you own this pitcher... You've had success against him in the past. You know kind of how he likes to pitch you, whatever it is. You're confident that when you get in there, I, I, I know I was, I know I can hit this guy. I'm fully confident I can hit this guy. I had a completely different outcome and approach in the box. Then if I look out and I see a six foot six tall dude I've never faced before and he's huge and he's throwing hard and I'm like, I don't know if I can hit this guy, right? You step in the box, completely different mindset. The enemy wants us to be in the batter's box with guilt and shame and feel um, insecure and not confident in what he's called us to do. So guilt and shame is an evil tandem that the enemy uses to steer us from or to separate us from our identity or our assignment. You guys, you guys with me? I want to pray. Lord, we just thank you um, for this class. And Lord, I ask that tonight you would just continue to give us clarity on our roles as intercessors. I ask that you continue to give us understanding that this isn't for an elite group of people but that is specifically for every one of us, that we've been called, we've been made watchmen over specific areas and regions. And if we don't fulfill our role, then the kingdom is missing something. And it's, it's really up to us to all fulfill our roles. We're one body with many parts that we must be joined fitly together. And Lord, I ask that you continue to do that in us tonight as we become people of prayer and a house of prayer. In Jesus' name. See, I'm telling you tonight, God has given you already an assignment that you're supposed to be a person of prayer and a person of intercession in this area. What the enemy wants to do is in completely different realms of your life make you feel insecure, full of shame, or guilty so that you don't do the thing God calls you to do. He wants... It's, it's, every one of us could probably think of clear examples in our life where we didn't do what we, we knew we were supposed to do or called to do because we felt guilty or shameful. Like we just wanted to hide. I don't, want, I don't want to be visible right now. I don't like myself very much right now. I don't want anyone to see me doing anything. I just want to hide. 
And the enemy knows that's such a, it's such a slick little trick that he tries to, tries to use against us because it works. When we're full of guilt and we're full of shame, we shut down. We clam up. It's like when, when fear comes in, and that's guilt and shame has to do with fear and punishment. You know, there's, there's teaching that will tell you that when you're afraid, there's a little part of your brain in the back that fills up with, this, with, a, with a fluid, with a, with a uh, um, hormone, right? And it, it causes, you to, causes some people to completely freeze up. Thank you. I need help. I was looking for it in my Rolodex and couldn't find it. <laughs> older you get, it's, it's tough, right? Um, so there are these things, and he, he wants us to shut down. He wants us to just to freak out. Have you ever seen that? People, when they get scared, they don't do anything. They just freeze. It's like, what are you freezing for? Because we're scared. There's a chemical. There's a hormone that comes into our brain, and we don't mean to. It's just that chemical shuts us down. We can't think. We can't function properly. Um, how many of you, um, in an atmosphere of fear, are your best self? Man, if I'm afraid, or if I'm guilty, or I'm full of shame, it's impossible for me to be the best Jared that I can be. Because those things just combat my identity. They, they attack who God says that I am. They attack who I know I'm supposed to be. And it, and it just freezes us in this state of, I can't be the best. I can't do the best thing because I'm, I'm an idiot right now. I'm frozen, right? <clears throat> so the enemy wants to sow seeds of guilt and shame and regret, and all these things that are, they're all tied together. And he wants them to come in there because he wants us to not do what he called, what God's called us to do. These, this guilt and shame will lead us to a false identity and lead us to insecurity. When we don't know who we are, or we're insecure in who we are, we will begin to run from what we were called to do. If we don't know who we are, if we're insecure about it, we run from it instead of towards it. I don't know why, it's just the fight or flight mentality. Most of us choose to flight. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I don't want to go towards this thing. I'm too scared, right? When these things come in, we can't seem to find the motivation to do what we are created for because our security is not in our maker. Um, and it has been shaken with overwhelming guilt and shame. So I just want you to know that you've got to stop allowing the enemy to sow guilt and shame. Anytime you feel guilt or shame, it's not the language of the Spirit. It's not God talking to you. Guilt and shame is a punishment language that will keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. And it is never what the Holy Spirit uses to bring us close to God. He never uses guilt, shame, or punishment. He uses, he uses hey, you can do better than this. He uses conviction, which says, whoa, the standard is up here. You've been living at this standard all along. Why would you ever dip below that standard? It's completely different language. Instead of, you're a loser down here and you always do this stupid thing... So the enemy does this because he wants you to stay where you're at. He does not want you to become active. He wants you to sit in a pew in a church and go to hell. He wants you to sit in a pew in church and have your family fall to pieces. And you say, man, no one's here to help me out. Look in the mirror. You're the person that God has called to deliver your own family. <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up. You're the person that you're waiting for to deliver you. You're Moses. You're Joseph. Hello? Because you are fully capable and equipped. The thing is you don't believe you are. And the reason you don't believe you are is because you bought into a lie that leads to guilt and shame and it paralyzes us.
the Lord wants to break that off of you. Amen? <clears throat> this place of guilt and shame will lead us to oppression and to, and, and to depression. So the cure for guilt and shame is a lifestyle of repentance. <clears throat> it means to change our thinking and to turn from sin to God. That's what repentance is. If we live a lifestyle of repentance, guilt and shame cannot take hold in us because we're constantly saying, God, I did this thing and I want to turn towards you. This thing, God, I saw it. I saw it too. It was ugly, God. <laughs> You're not the only one that knew it was there. I saw it. God, I'm so sorry for that thing. I'm turning towards you. There's no room for guilt and shame when we turn towards him. Guilt and shame comes in the shadows of turning away from him. Amen? <clears throat> Isaiah 53 verse 4 says that surely he himself bore our grief and our sorrows. In other words, he took our guilt and our shame and all the things that make us want to hide. He took those upon himself because he loves us so much. He became punishment for us because he wants us to stay close to him, to come close to him and stay close. Amen? So I, I, I wanted to tell us what a watchman was, and I wanted to tell, tell us what the enemy uses to keep us from being a watchman. Now we, let's get into how to identify our heavenly assignments, all right? Because I believe everyone in here, you have at least one assignment that God's given you. That's, that's, other people may have the same assignments, but it's definitely something you are called to do, right? First thing you have to do is learn who God is, learn who Daddy is. When you know Him, when you learn His nature, you find out who you are. Always. Because we were created in His image. We were created to become just like Him. And I quote the scripture a lot because it's one of my favorites, but... We don't know what we'll be on that day. But one thing we do know is we will be just like him. <laughs> so the more we get to know him, he reveals to us who we are. Amen? You guys good? So how do I find out what my assignment is? I got to learn who God is. I got to know him. I got to understand him. I got to be close to him. And in that, he will tell me who I am. <clears throat> Number two, follow your interests and your passions. Not the evil ones, but your good ones. We all have good passions. We really do. There are good, there's good inside. Uh, you know, I told the testimony of David Faraday, who's not a godly person at all, giving up his first class airline ticket to military because that's the right thing to do. That's a godly passion in him of compassion and honor that was inside of him. And so he, he stepped. So we all have these good things in us that we just need to tune into, right? <clears throat> Psalm 37 verse 4 says... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, you can see that in multiple different ways, you know, 10, 10 or 15 different ways. You can see it as, if I love God, then the things that are really close to me, he'll give them to me. And I, I think that's true. But you can also see it that when I delight myself in him, he will put inside of me the things that I need to desire. He will place his passions, his desires inside of my heart. Then then my instincts can become godly instincts rather than fleshly instincts. That's possible. Amen? So follow your instincts. What issues get your blood boiling? What are you most inclined uh, to care about or to invest into? Like that is a clue into what your assignment is from God as an intercessor. What gets your blood boiling? For me, social, political, um, and, and injustice things get me going more than anything. If I see an injustice, it drives me crazy. I can't stand it. I'm like, how? It's black. I'm a black or white kind of person. It's black or white. There's, there is no in-between. You may handle things differently, but it's either a black issue or a white issue. There's no in-between. 
Again, we may handle them differently because of personality, but, and it's either wrong or right. I'm that kind of person. So when, when I hear um, people wanting to, to create a law that you can't circumcise your children in an American city and make it a law that you can't do it, has anyone heard this? Who has not heard this story? Woo! I, I've got a news channel I want to tell you to listen to privately. <laughs> In San Francisco, they're right now, they've written up a, uh, they're writing up a law, and they've gotten enough petitions now by people in the city so that this thing will be voted on by the city of San Francisco that will make it a, a um, Class B, wait, it'll make it, what's the second? It'll make it a Class B misdemeanor if you circumcise your child inside the city limits of San Francisco. That sounds like anti-Semitism to me, first of all. Right? I mean, they don't want, they don't like Jewish people. And, it's, and, and so the same people that are co-sponsoring this bill to stop circumcision are the same people that promote abortion. And I'm like, so foreskin from a male is more important to you than a fetus. Like, it doesn't make, so those things like that, like, I, I can just throw away my notes and just go off on that because that's a trigger for me. The political, I have to be careful, and I, I have really close people that help me say, you know, let's be careful how political we get and all that kind of stuff, and I appreciate it because it's a hot topic button with me. If there's an injustice there, I don't like it. That doesn't mean I get up here and preach against politics. What it means is privately in my prayer closet, I go to God and I become a watchman. I watch over the field, and I ask God to produce what needs to be produced in the political, in, in, in the justice system, and the things that are going on. So when, that's a hot button for me. I know everyone in the room, you have hot buttons, things that just frustrate. I know Matt's probably the same kind. You hear stuff like that. It doesn't even make sense. How can you be okay for one thing and not, not another? Another example for me was the abortion thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's to the point where I've got an idea of a commercial that I, I swear we're going to do. Um, we just got to figure out how we're going to do it. If you, if, I just got to tell you, this is awesome. We want to do a cartoon or some kind of commercial for dog abortions. All right? We want to just really throw it in the face of PETA and, and, and say, come home. Mom and dad come home. They find out, you know, Snowflake or whatever your dog's name is, is pregnant again. You're like, oh, God. We don't need seven more puppies around here. We don't need to deal with trying to get rid of Let's take Snowflake down and let's get a dog abortion for our dog. How many think that would fly in America? <laughs> so we want to do that and just kind of throw it in the face of PETA and the abortion people and stuff like it's you know because they would you can't do that to a dog but we could do it to a, a person so these things are hot topic buttons for me when I hear about them I go crazy there are three states that within the last month have have voted to defund Planned Parenthood Texas is one of them <laughs> I heard North Carolina just voted Virginia is one of them and other states are lined up all across Tennessee, yeah, there's more than three then. They're lining up to defund Planned Parenthood. And they're saying loud and clear, we don't think it's okay, especially in our economic crisis right now, to spend billions on abortions. It doesn't make sense. And so these are hot topic buttons that I pray about more often than I pray about other things because they're really get my blood boiling. <laughs> What things drive, what things get your, your blood boiling? What, what specific issues in life is it when you see a homeless person, you do fall apart? You don't even know why. You just fall apart. You have a compassion inside of you for people that are without. God wants you to begin to pray into that thing. That's your assignment. You have an assignment for people that have, have lost everything. And God wants you to call them back into a family. 
God wants you to pray over them and release them into their destiny from living under, we drove, my wife's one of those kinds of people. We drive under a bridge through downtown Dallas and she sees the homeless people and she breaks. She can't handle it. It drives her, it makes her, uh, it breaks her heart that these people have chosen to live that kind of lifestyle when there are other options. They've bought a lie somewhere. She's like, they've bought into a lie that this is the best that they can have. And my wife just, it, it bothers her. It upsets her. Um, abused children is another one of, that's one of my wife's issues. It, she'll have dreams about it that torment her, where she was telling me this week of a dream she had, and, and, and in the dream she was seeing abuse taking place, physical abuse taking place, and in her dream she told God, I can't watch anymore. So she, see, she turned away in her dream so that she couldn't see it. Like, like, it just crushes my wife because of things that she's been through in her life and things that she's experienced. Just a child being... How many of you have hot button issues inside of you that when you really think, they just drive you? Those are the areas, at least, that's a starting point of where you're to be called to be a person of prayer and intercession. That's where you're a watchman. That's where you're an observer. Educate yourself. I watch the news. I educate myself on these laws and these things so that I can pray more effectively. And, and in a week or so, we'll get into sp- into prayer mapping and stuff like that. That's what I do. I educate myself so that I know how to pray. And I know God can just give me, you know, um, divine prayers and stuff like that. But I do feel a responsibility to educate myself to know so that I do know how to pray for specific names for people. You know, a couple weeks ago, when, um, let's see, where is it? I was praying for that school. <laughs> I still have them in here because I come back in through my notes and I have it in my phone, but. Anyway, there's that school in South Texas where they didn't want them to pray at their graduation. They're on my prayer list now because that's, that's not okay. We were built on Christian values and principles. If, how come five people that don't want to pray can keep 500 people from praying? It doesn't make sense to me, right? So what's your hot button issue? Find those things that are your interests and your passions and pray into those things. What do you dream about? What do you daydream about? Think, what issues do you dream and daydream um, about being fixed, resolved? What earth issues, world issues do you think, man, I wish this was fixed in our country? Maybe it's racial tensions. Maybe that's your area. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, uh, fatherless families where the, the dad's not there. Maybe that's your thing. Whatever it is, you have a, a place, and the church needs you. And beyond the church, the world needs you to be a watchman. Be one of those people that stands on the walls day and night. Let me tell you this. When you become an intercessor, your daytime and your nighttime no longer belongs to you. How many people are, are carrying that intercession thing and your sleep is not your own anymore? That happens. It doesn't happen to everyone. But there will be seasons, especially there will be seasons where you just don't sleep well at night. Because there's, to, to me at nighttime, there's, a, there's not a lot of activity going on. And I have a friend named John Price. He wakes up every night at 3 o'clock. And he goes to the gym. And he puts his iPod on. And he, he prays and he goes to the gym and does all this working out. And he prays and does, because he says that he thinks it's the quietest time for, for him. There's not a lot of stuff going on. And he feels like heaven hears him better at that time. That's just his thing. And I think it's pretty cool that he chooses to do that. It's like his season. It's his time. And so I just want to ask you... Um, Will you do stuff like that? Will you say, you know, my daytime, my nighttime does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. I'm a watchman. I have a responsibility. I'm an observer. I'm not just observing anymore. I'm a protector. I'm my brother's defender. You know, that's what he's calling us to. <clears throat> Number th- So learn who daddy is. Follow your interests and the things that make you just go crazy. Um, 
follow your favor. Danny Silk, a few months back, preached one of these greatest sermons about following your favor. Just basically, favor is, it's the areas, the area or areas in which you are inclined towards fruitfulness or success. Like, it's, it's like you don't really have to try hard at these things. You're just good. You have an aptitude in this area for success and for productivity and for doing, doing well. Matt, he has this aptitude for writing. He has a favor on writing. When Matt writes things, whether it's being funny with V-neck t-shirts, should I wear it or should I not, which was his blog thing today, or if he's being serious and writing a prophetic word to his brother, or if he's writing a commercial for, for animal crackers, Matt has a gift for writing. That's his favor. So there's, he needs to follow his favor in writing, right? Kyle has a I'm just p- picking people that I know really well. Kyle has a, 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 an ability to write as well, writing songs and being able to express love towards God. So following his favor, his, his prayer life should, God, help me to write even better songs. Help people that are songwriters all over the world write songs that capture heaven. Matt's like, God, help me to write better and help all the writers. Help the Christian writers that have writer's block right now to be unlocked and begin to write on paper things that will unlock people. These are areas that we can, it helps your prayer life because how many of you have ever sat down and be like, I don't know what to pray about besides myself, besides me, 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 me. But man, when you have an assignment and I have an assignment to pray against injustice, all of a sudden I have a launching point for my prayer life that makes, makes it so much more strong makes it so much more easy, to be completely honest, because I know what my assignment is. That doesn't mean that's only what I do, and it doesn't mean that I don't try to figure out new assignments, but it gives me a place to launch myself, and it ties me to an identity. It ties me to a purpose. All right? You guys okay? So follow your favor. Follow those places where you're fruitful just, just by being fruitful. You just show up, and you produce fruit. You don't even know why, right? <clears throat> he wants us to grow in this favor that he's given us. And that can only come through stewarding the favor we already have. So by, by, by being a writer, the more I write, I'm stewarding that gift God gives, releases to me even more anointing and more favor in that area. <clears throat> what areas do you have an aptitude for? Um, aptitude meaning capability, ability, uh, an innate or acquired capacity for something, a natural ability, talent, readiness, Quickness in learning. Like you can just learn stuff really fast in this area. And intelligence. You understand how this thing works. Um, find those things and say, God, I, wanna, I want my assignment. I want to pray into this thing. Number four. So learn who daddy is. Follow your interests. Follow your favor, what you're just good at. Because sometimes your interests and the things you have favor on aren't exactly the same thing. Right? I grew up loving sports, absolutely loving sports. And what am I doing for my occupation? The opposite of sports to me, you know? Has zero to do with it, nothing to do with it. Anyway, follow your victories, number four. Find areas that you've won something in, that you can celebrate. When I hear testimonies that this state has, has voted and elected to defund Planned Parenthood, I say, I have a part in them voting for that, even though I'm not even part of Virginia or Tennessee or this other state. I'm a part of that because I was a watchman in my prayer closet saying, God, abortion is not okay. It's not okay. We're, we're sacrificing babies, and it's not okay. And so by doing that and praying, I know that's one of my brother's things as well, by, by going in the prayer closet and praying, and I hear these victories, I'm like, yes, I'm going to keep praying. Now let's pray for a really tough place like California. Let's pray for New York City. <laughs> California is actually suing Planned Parenthood right now 
Yes. Exactly. Yep. For yeah, big fraud, which. Yeah. Mm hmm It's a big lawsuit. Like New York City, it's a hub of abortion. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a hub of abortion. And, and it, it is a racial thing. It, it is an attack and assault on minorities of our country. It just is. If you don't believe it, go all the way back through the history of where abortion started from. What was her name? Uh, Margaret, Margaret, whatever her name was. Yeah. She hated African Americans, Hispanics, anyone of color. She hated them. And so this was her plan that, that was that was later on taken on by a man named Hitler. Anyone ever heard of that guy? He started a project called eugenetics, which was you take the elite people of society, the, the purest blood, and you get those people to mate so that they can continue to produce a pure race of people, no mixture, and you get rid of all the others. This is where abortion started. And they're like, oh, we can cut down our numbers and minorities by selling this idea of, of killing and it was an attack. It was an attack against Catholic people because of their stance against um, using birth control. And it was an, it's an ugly thing. And I, I love, they, they made them take it down. It was, it was a big ordeal, but they got their message across. A beautiful little bitty uh, black girl in a dress on, on a skyscraper in New York City. And she's so beautiful. Like, she's like beautiful, perfect picture of a little girl. And it says, the, the most dangerous place for an... For an uh, for an African-American woman, is in the womb. And I was like, wow, what an amazing... So, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. See, I told you, if you, if you tell me, I'll just get off on this. <clears throat> but this, the, we're seeing victory in this stuff. It's coming up. It's coming... The, 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 the new... Uh, I have to be careful here. Um, a lot of the people that are running for office coming up soon, one of their things that they want to do is defund Planned Parenthood. It's one of their calling cards. It's one of the things that say, we will defund Planned Parenthood. This is not something that we're okay with. And, and so um, just follow victory. So when I hear victories, it makes me want to pray more. It makes me happy. I put them in my phone. I have a, when I get, e- I get emails from certain places that tell about this, uh, um, for life and, yeah, bound for life and a couple other places. When I get an email of a testimony, it goes in my testimony folder. Or I have a folder that says Pursuit for Justice, Pursuit of Justice. So when something comes in and it's an injustice, it goes in my Pursuit of Injustice folder, and I go in there and there's my prayer list, things that I can pray for, just little things that I do. And so when I hear victory, I celebrate and I pray even more, right? So follow your victory. Find areas where you have a strength and keep fighting in that place. Fight in your weight class. If you're, uh, if you're 150 pounds, don't be trying to fight on 200-pound Monsters. Stick to the 150-pound guys, beat them up all day long, and leave the 200-pound to the 200-pound people. You guys understand me? <laughs> How do I save it? There is, it, it, um, there is a danger um, of attacking things that I haven't been given approval to attack from God, even in prayer because of the strongman atmosphere, because of spiritual warfare that takes place, if, if I haven't been given the assignment to take that person down, and if I attack that person, then I can open myself up to some, some weird stuff, right? And it doesn't mean that I can't win or become victorious. It just may be a really ugly battle when it didn't have to be, right? So I, I think that's the easiest way for me to explain it. Um, 
yeah, like the seven sons of Sceva. They're going around like, dude, when people talk about Jesus and tell them in Jesus' name, they, they, the demons leave. So they go up and try it on this guy, and he's like, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are, and just beat him naked, right? And they ran away naked. It's kind of a funny story, but yeah, we good, good perfect. Thank you. Biblical. Thank you. <laughs> um, number five. Uh, I want, no, that's it for that. I just want to say this, though. Partnerships are important. They're vital to fulfilling these assignments. So what we need to do is find people in the kingdom that have similar things and partner with them, okay? Though kingdom progress and breakthrough can be initiated by one person, transformation and open heavens requires partnerships and alliances. One person can get God's attention. One person can bring revival to a city, but it takes a partnership to steward revival. One person can't steward, steward revival for a whole town. People have to link arms. People have to hook arms and say, I'll fight this battle with you. We'll close the net in here. We'll close the gap in, in this space. So even though you, you maybe have a thing that's unique and specific to you, seek out other people that have similar things, and, and iron sharpens iron. Um, the scripture I wanted to pull out was Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. So when, when we're talking about taking spiritual prayer assignments and intercessory assignments, don't always do it alone. Sometimes in your prayer closet, that's great. But it's also important to lock arms with someone else. Um, these partnerships create supernatural synergy, and they increase effectiveness. So that's that for tonight, being watchmen, taking our assignments. It, it changes our prayer life. What I want to do is I want us to have a house of prayer here where prayer is not just where we go to God and tell him what's wrong with us. You know, it's got to move past the God, this is going wrong with me right now and I hate it. Poor me, poor me, help me here, help me there, help me here, help me there, help me here, help me there kind of thing. That's okay. It doesn't mean we don't do that. But it can't only be that. There has to be a shift to where we take our assignment that's not just for us but it's for other people as well. And um, I think we're moving there well as a church. And I think that we're becoming aware of issues that are around us. And now it's time for us to just say, God, give me my watchman assignment, and I'm going to keep doing it until your word is fulfilled. I'm going to stay on the wall. I'm going to watch day and night. I'm not going to leave my voice quiet. I'm going to lift my voice up, and I'm going to speak what you tell me to speak. I'm going to do what you tell me to do until your word is fulfilled on the earth. And that's what we're called to do, every believer. It's not just an elite group of people. All of us. All of us have those things that we can do. <clears throat> Any questions or anything before we close in prayer and then pray for a couple of specific needs?
Yep. So that's that's an assignment for you, for you to pray for. Yeah. Anyone else? Do you have something, a question, anything that we can can do real quick so we can wrap it up? And uh, I really, we do have some some uh, urgent prayer requests that we need to pray for. But any anything else? And, and like you said, complaining about it is, is the opposite of praying about it. We're still using our voice to speak about this thing that's wrong, but we're not going to the Lord and saying, hey, let's fix this thing. Let's fix this thing. Uh, Christine, real quick. It's easier to feel compassionate for it because you're like, man, I've been there, man. I understand how, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, um, a, a little boy, he's three years old. His name's Kanan, Kanan James, and he goes in tomorrow for heart surgery. He's had heart issues. Um, he's related to uh, uh, Joey and Lisa and Audrey and them, and so they want us to pray. So I want us to pray for him. We need to pray for Olin. We need to pray for Olin Vaughn. We need to pray for just complete makeover. Um, a lot of things going on with him. Um, for Georgia, for Cheryl, a, a girl named Cheryl Lankford. We need to pray for her. She's battling breast cancer. Um, just anyone else. You got a name you just want to throw out. Matthias has had stomach problems from drinking river water. I wasn't there. I would have just slapped his hands. But it's gone on too long, so I'm going to pray for him. He's just losing weight and can't keep anything down. So anyone else, you have something? Take one of those, take one of those names: Olin, Georgia, Felice, Yarmer, Canaan, uh, person with cancer. Anyone you have in your heart, let's just pray right now, okay? Um, Lord, we thank you because you are a healer, and you are the miracle worker, and you are the one who makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. 
So I, I, first, I just ask that you to be with Canaan tomorrow as he goes in for this heart surgery. I ask that this thing will be resolved. It will be completely fixed, that there will be no more issues, no more operations, that he can be a normal little boy, have a normal life, and be healthy and whole. We release the word of the Lord over him. Send your word and heal this disease in his heart. In Jesus' name. Father, we speak over Olin. We ask for complete healing in his body. We do not accept the new reports that we've heard. We do not accept the things that, we're, that, that have gone on for, for a decade now. We're asking for healing, Lord. We're asking for breakthrough. We're asking for his, his healing season to come right now. I ask that you again would send your word over Olin and encourage him. And I ask that you would heal him with your word, Lord. Just breathe over him, even now. Let him feel your breath. <laughs> Just breathe over him, Lord. For Georgia, we ask for a complete recovery. Complete recovery for diabetes to be taken care of. For all the issues that she's been having. For to be healed, healthy, and whole. For Felice Yarmour to have new kidneys. And for diabetes to bow to the name of Jesus. We release healing over her. Lord, over this, this man with cancer, we ask for cancer to be healed. Lord, we ask that in our lifetime we will begin to see cancer healed and it will be broken off the face of this earth and it won't be the scourge that it is on the, on the planet. That it will be dealt with by the church and not by the medical fields. <laughs> oh. Lord, we pray for Matthias. Lord, with this bug um, that's in his stomach from, from the river, um, I just ask that you would stop the diarrhea, stop the vomiting, um, and I ask that he'll begin to take nutrients into his body properly, and that this will be over, Lord, and we just speak healing over everyone else in the room. We speak healing over families. We speak healing over finances. We ask for there to be breakthrough in the homes, Lord. We ask that there will be deliverance in the homes. We ask that you would help us to host your presence at home with our children. Help us to train them up in the way they should go. So when they grow older, they will not depart from it. Father, we just ask that you bless this church. I ask that you would help us to fulfill the vision, fulfill the assignment that you've given us for us not to back down or turn away or to judge by what we see with our eyes or what we hear with our ears. But Lord, help us to, to only judge by the assignment you've given us and by the voice of the Lord. Father, we ask for there to be breakthrough in our church. Why don't you pray with, pray with me on that one? Lord, let there be breakthrough. Let there be transformation and revival in our church, Lord, in this house, Lord, let there be breakthrough and revival, miracles and signs and wonders, supernatural encounters, Lord, where marriages are healed overnight, where, where children are brought back into the home, where prodigals are, are run home to their dads and their moms. Lord, I ask that this would happen in this house, Lord, that drug addiction would be broken in Jesus' name, that addictions to pornography would be broken in Jesus' name, that addictions to, to pain medicines would be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, that addiction to um, entertainment would be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, that anything that's an addiction that takes the place of you, that this house would become a place of freedom and a place of deliverance, Lord. Lord, that we can be free people with no guilt and no shame. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have notes right here if you guys want them from tonight's lesson. And uh, well, just bless you all. Thank you so much for coming out and 